It's easy to believe, no matter what age we are, that we can do everything by ourselves. It's hard to ask for help. One of the greatest gifts we can give our children and our grandchildren is modeling the act of reaching out for help. It teaches them, and us, that we are all connected and that working with others to accomplish a goal is not only a good thing, it is most likely the best thing. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we are talking about asking for help when we have a hard time caring for the things we own, the stuff. There comes a time when it truly is an act of caring to simplify and organize our belongings so someone else doesn't have to. Well, Mike, we're coming off a three-week break of the podcast. We had a lot of occasions to be flexible in our dealings with others. I couldn't believe how many times I felt like I was doing a crossword puzzle. My brain was just all mixed up because I had to remember codes to homes and garages, borrowing cars, changing schedules, like new cars, electric cars, how to do everything. And in that time, it made both of us, right, think about how much harder it gets to flex as we get older and how important it is to keep stretching until, I guess, we can't. So it made us think even more about how important it is for us to plan for the future, a future where our intentional planning will make it easier for us and for those around us. And so this time, today we're talking about intentional planning, not just intentional grandparenting. With that in mind, we've invited Stephanie Denson, a professional organizer, to talk to us about the kind of planning and organization that we need to do as we age and how that might affect our children and our grandchildren. Stephanie is the founder and the lead organizer of Spirit and Space, LLC. She serves clients across the country who desire aesthetically pleasing, orderly spaces that create more joy and peace in their lives. As a Keys Guild member, she's also a collectibles advisor, helping clients understand the value of their belongings. Stephanie, welcome to The Grand Life. Thank you. It's lovely to be with you this evening. Thank you. First of all, maybe you could share with us your own experiences with older adults in your role as a professional organizer, because, or maybe you even have personal experience with your own family members who were aging and how you helped them in just organizing their space. That would have been nice to tell you about helping my parents or in-laws. <laughs> However, I will say that on a personal level, my, my uh, parents and in-laws are classic examples of seniors who have chosen not to engage that process. Mm. Uh, my dad was compromised after a stroke, but my my in-laws, even when they were forced to, to uh, have a new living situation, they still resisted the conversation. So they left it for their kids to figure out. Mm -hmm. And as a professional organizer, I serve a wide demographic, but a lot of my clients are in that senior range. Um, some of them are intentionally downsizing and planning for or actually actively engaging a move to a senior community very intentionally to a smaller space. Others just want to find more order in their current homes mm -hmm. so that not only they can live more efficiently, but also safely. And there are others also, uh, Emily, who, that are sorting through belongings of loved ones who have died. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of different ways that I serve clients in that demographic. Yeah. You know, we're talking mostly about grandparents today because that's our subject matter that we talk about. But, you know, I, it's funny. I, I think that there's like two arms to this whole thing. There's the letting go of the things that you maybe have kept for a long time and you don't really want. 
And then there's the keeping of things that you might want to leave to your children or your grandchildren. Now, I'm hearing more and more grandparents tell me that they have children who say, I don't want any of your stuff. Don't I just get rid of it. I don't want any of it. And it hurts their feelings. Literally, they're like, nobody wants my things. How is that possible? And yet, uh, I think that the other part of that is there may be some grandchildren who would like some of our things. So when we're thinking through this, I mean, do we just get rid of everything and not think about the future generation? Or, I mean, how do you feel about that? It seems to lack intentionality to me to just be, let like, throw everything away. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And just today I had lunch with a friend who is a little bit older than I am, and she is starting what she calls her intentional legacy planning. So going through her belongings, but also gathering the information her son will need when she dies. Mm -hmm. And she said right before we left each other, she said, I want to hear thanks, mom, after I die, as opposed to, oh, my, she left it all for me to deal with. Uh, one of my first clients, actually, is a guy who uh, inherited his parents' home with all of their stuff and stuff from two sets of grandparents. And when we first met, he said, I'm not going to do to my daughter what my parents did to me. So he's being very intentional about going through all the stuff. And let me tell you, there is lots of stuff in that house um, because he knows he'll need to downsize at some point, but he doesn't want to burden his child. I think that for many the thought of making decisions about a lifetime of stuff is overwhelming yeah. and that overwhelm can prevent them from doing it. But it can be so freeing to be intentional, as you say, about going through our belongings, choosing to surround ourselves with things we love and we use that have meaning in our lives now and have not outlived the purpose of our lives. Um, and that's a gift that we give to ourselves, but also a gift to our loved ones. It doesn't have to be about throwing out. I mean, there's. it's always easier to let go of things when you know someone else can use them. So uh, for instance, I do a lot of work with my clients, helping them connect to nonprofits who need their belongings to support their missions, furniture, clothes, housewares, dishes, towels, uh, games, you name it. It's nice to be able to donate to those nonprofits or sell things that should be sold as opposed to just sending them to the dump. Yeah. I, well, that I, I hate that whole thing about sending everything to the dump. My, my mom is like, well, just get one of those big, what do you call those? Those dumpsters. dumpsters. Throw everything out the window. It doesn't matter to me. And I'm like, wait a minute. There is like an emotional toll that that takes of just looking at the stuff that belongs to her and just throwing it out. Like, I would like her to share some of that emotional toll because I'm doing that with my stuff. I mean, uh, we're doing that with our stuff. And there is... I mean, would you agree there is an emotional toll to that for yourself and also for the person who's dead? Yes, there is. And actually, um, there's a Swedish author named Margareta Magnusson who wrote a little book called The Swedish Art of Death Cleaning. You may oh, have heard of it. There's yeah. now a show on Peacock. <laughs> um, but in the front of that book, she says, and this won't be a direct quote, but pretty close. She said, don't ever assume that people will want to or be able to take time to deal with the stuff you didn't bother to deal with yourself. Mm -hmm. And she goes on to say, no matter how much they love you, don't burden them with that. Um, and so, yeah, it can be a burden. And to your point about finding the special things, when a decision, when someone has 
avoided the the clean out. So suddenly it has to be done quickly. This happened with my in-laws and, you know, the the junk folks haul stuff away. That's when it's the the special family heirlooms are not going to see the light of day because you just can't don't have the time to go through things. Right. Um, There's more value in actually being intentional about that and, and choosing what you think should stay in the family or what you think maybe someone will like. So it sounds like you have had clients who want to do that. Who I loved what you said, intentional legacy planning. Is that what you called it? Um, so how do you accomplish that? Do you start, let's just get really practical. Do you, So we have 11 grandchildren. So do you just get 11 boxes and over time you just put things in there for each of the grandchildren? I mean, I don't know. I think there's no one right way. Um, I think uh, you're relatively young. Your grandchildren are relatively young. It's fine to start that process now if you know and recognize truly that things might change. Um, and, you know, I think the 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 idea of choosing things for your grandchild, grandchildren requires, first of all, relationship and mm-hmm. also some understanding of who those kids are. You know, my mom was a great example of... Um, she probably would like to give something to our youngest child, but there's really no relationship there. And mom has shown over the time that we've been around that she has chosen things for that child that doesn't resonate with that child. Mm. For folks like you and Mike who are engaged, who you know these little people who are growing in the world and you're part of their lives, it's easier to identify things that they might like. But if someone, you know, someone may have gotten a figurine from a grandparent who was very dear to them and they knew that figurine was important to their grandparent and they loved it too, giving it to the one of their grandchildren might not resonate in today's world for that child. So I think there's that intentionality and thought uh, needs to go into that. It's tricky because you're right. A lot of kids and grandkids don't want the stuff we have right now. I'm talking about. Yeah. And it seems, I mean, I mean, and we mentioned at the beginning, Mike said that you're a Keys Guild member. Um, what is that exactly? The Keys Guild is a is a, a group of um, uh, organizers and others uh, who have the training to identify collectibles and to help people find the best outlet for those things. So it shouldn't all go to Goodwill, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that have value. And on the other hand, there are also things that don't have value. Sometimes what I bring to the table is no, those Hummels really don't have the value you thought they had or that Beanie Baby collection. <laughs> no, it really doesn't have the, be- the the value. However, to be able to help folks identify what to do with the collectibles, find unique markets for them, uh, sell things at auction to allow them to recoup some of the value, um, that for folks who are downsizing and have that kind of stuff, that can be incredibly helpful. And that's on top of the connecting with nonprofits. They can, they can use your, their things or selling locally on marketplace, et cetera. Yeah, I would agree with that. It was so interesting when we started downsizing to move to a smaller place, to a townhome. We had a beautiful collection of Santa mugs um, that Michael's grandmother had, had. One of them was huge. It was that you, you would put all the hot chocolate in it. You would, and we had oh. we had great memories of it. But we were just like, how, what are we going to do with that? Well, they were ceramic, right? Yeah. They may or may not have been valuable, but they were meaningful. Yeah, because she had painted them. She had painted all the faces and stuff. So we we asked the kids, you know, because we had like 20 of them. We were like, do any of you want any of these to help with your memories? We kept a couple. They each took a couple. We still had a whole collection, I think, of more than a dozen we put it out on Facebook Marketplace. We found a woman who, I mean, there was a lot of bidding going on because I didn't realize a lot of people really love these things. And wh- a woman came and picked them up and 
uh, she just said, I'm going to send you a picture of it with my collection. She had a whole like it living was, space. It was a wall. <laughs> Huge. Of Santa wow. mugs, a wall of Santa mugs. All different kinds of Santa mugs. And to see our Santa mugs sitting there with all of these other Santa mugs just gave me the best feeling. I and mean, it was so much better than just handing it off to Goodwill. Yeah, yeah. It's nice when you can find a good home for the things that you have loved. And to your point about kids don't want it, I, I invite people not to take it personally when their kids don't want their things. A good point. Uh, kids value things differently. We entertain in different ways. We can no longer assume that the family heirlooms will be passed down and enjoyed. And and we just, we can't take it personally. Things have changed. One of the things that I've started doing that, uh, because we brought with us the things really that were most important to us when we were downsizing, we're starting to write things down put things under furniture, like a piece of paper that's taped to under the furniture that explains why that piece of furniture was important to us. I feel like that might be one way that you can be intentional in giving things or thinking that somebody might want that. I, I agree with you, Emily. I think there's some some real value in that. I This friend today was saying that um, she wants to at least name what's in her house so that even if her son doesn't want it, he knows what it is. Yeah. And she used the example of like Uncle John's decanter or something like that. And that's one way to go about it. There may also be a need to make some decisions as you have to not bring it all, even if you can tell them that Uncle John had this decanter. You might think, well, does my son even drink wine? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Again, there's that thoughtful, intentional part of the process as opposed to just, well, he can throw it out. I'm not going to throw it out, but he can use this thing. Or if he doesn't want it, he can throw it out. I mean, that could make it harder to to get rid of it if if you see the note about whatever and you're like, oh, I really shouldn't get rid of that. You're right about that, Emily, because sometimes the, uh, those things, knowing that something was special to someone, people can get hooked with the shame and guilt. Oh, I can't let go of this. This was something that was really important to her. <laughs> Actually, I asked a client recently, would your mom want you to feel burdened by this stuff? And she said, yes, she would. Okay. <laughs> and I guess you can't let it go. <laughs> Uh, but um, there's different ways to approach it. Yeah, yeah. That's part of that emotional toll. And, you know, we have gone through that a lot in the last three, four months, that the emotional toll of getting rid of things that you feel like, well, I spent a lot of money on that, or I it means something to my mom, or, you know, whatever. It's, it's hard. Well, and my, my view is to take a step back and look at how family culture gets conveyed from generation to generation. I feel like we've got a big break here. And yeah, I want to just kind of wring my hands and be pointlessly worried <laughs> about the fact that uh, we're doing something wrong here. Intergenerationally, we're doing something wrong. C can you calm me down or talk me off the ledge about that? I invite you to take a breath and recognize that it's not personal. It's it's not like you can force it to be different. You can't, none of us can force our kids to value things that we value. Mm -hmm. I do agree that there is lost- Continuity? And lost family history. Um, but I think what's more important goes to the heart of of what you do with your podcast in terms of identifying intentional grandparenting. It's the relationship which is even more valuable. 
that stuff. You know, if it, it may be hard to let go of something that was your mom's because it was your mom's and she loved it. Um, but you can let go of things without letting go of the memories and with and still honoring who that person was. It may be, Mike, that things will come back around in time, uh, that we do things differently down the, down the way, but we can't force it to be different right now. Now, your business is called Spirit and Space, and I wondered how that name applies directly to what you do with your clients. How, do, how would you describe what you do? So I realized long ago that while I have good organizing skills and have been very intentional about uh, building those, that's not what makes me connect with my clients. What is more important in the work I do, at the heart of what I do, are skills that I learned through 30 years of education and, and human resources. Things that allow me to listen carefully to people, to connect where they are, and help them as a bridge to getting where, what they need, where they need to go. So as a professional organizer, my vision is to come alongside the client and help them accomplish their organizing goals faster than they ever thought possible in a way that lifts their spirits. Um, quite frankly, there are organizers who do it differently, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who are take more of the drill sergeant. Nope, get rid of that. You don't need that. That's not who I am. I'm actually shocked at how often I've heard clients express surprise that I asked them what works for them, how their brains work, how they use the space, who uses the space. I can't imagine being successful without approaching it that way. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, when I'm working with a client who is sorting belongings of a lost loved one, that is sacred work. And that, those are the projects that especially call on awareness of spirit as well as space. Yeah, that's very interesting. You know, I'm, am I right in assuming that as we age, it gets harder and harder to make decisions about purging things? Or do you find there are young people who feel the same, they have the same problem? Is it more on your brain or is it, is it your age? It's an interesting question. Yes, it can be hard at any age. What I think is it gets harder and harder is the energy required. Um, and so especially as physical and cognitive issues creep onto the scene, it makes it that much harder. And the overwhelm that I was speaking of earlier can be really hard to manage. Um, so I have one client who uh, is moving from a home of 50 years. And I suggested at one point, you know, do you want more than one session a week? And he said, no, one session is exhausting. We don't, we're not going to do any more than that. Um, and um, so many people wait till it's too late. I think if, if, if listeners take anything away from this, it's the importance of starting early to allow much more time than you ever thought you might need. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of the important things with that, taking enough time or ample extra time is that it allows you to slow the process down and be less overwhelmed with it and approach it from a place of empowerment and making decisions, not having it done to you. Um, so even if people aren't expecting to move for a while, you can still begin to go through the process of making decisions about a lifetime of stuff. It takes time and it it can be very exhausting and it just gets harder as you age. Yeah. And we've been doing that. We've, we've been doing that for years now. First, it was the basement and we moved it into a smaller space. And now we've, you know, we've got this one room upstairs. Bedroom three, which we need to do something bedroom about. Three, we dum, don't dum, like dum. bedroom three. <laughs> we so, don't want to go into bedroom three <laughs> because that's where all the projects are. 
Uh, yeah. uh, the, the continued winnowing and thinning out. You know, we've changed our circumstances a few times to force us into doing some of these things. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if we didn't have to do that, but at least we're doing it of our own volition and we're not being forced to because of physical disability or the death of uh, you know family member or whatever. Uh, I guess that's a strategy. Force yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that what you do partly? I mean, the fact that you're involved, that kind of forces somebody to do it. They wouldn't do it naturally. Yeah, uh, some will do it naturally. But very importantly, a lot of clients speak of the accountability that working with me provides um, so that they know I'm coming on a certain day. They know it's going to get done. And in fact, I've had clients say, I know I should be I can do this myself, but I'm not. So I wanted to work with you to make sure it gets done. Some may have family or friends who are able to help them and are willing, but it can be a tricky situation when you have well-meaning parents who don't want to burden their kids with kids who want to help, but they're raising kids of their own and they're working. It can be really challenging. So sometimes it's so much easier to work with a third party who is trained to ask the questions, to come alongside and help make that process easier and for some, it's also just the physical, you know, carting stuff away, carting stuff to the d- donation site. Um, so it, uh, that third party can make it go more smoothly and with less emotional baggage, as it were. Stephanie, thank you so much for your time and attention to what seems to be a really important part of intentional grandparenting. So we loved having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to join you. Thank you for asking. And kudos to you for doing the intentional work. Oh, thanks. Stephanie Denson is the founder and lead organizer of Spirit in Space, LLC, who serves clients around the country who desire aesthetically pleasing orderly spaces that create more joy and peace in their lives. If you would like more information about her services, you can go to her website or contact her by email. We will have both those links in our show notes. We're honored to be presenting about Overcoming Grand Comparison as part of Grandparents Week, the largest virtual celebration and educational conference for grandparents of its kind. GrandparentsAcademy.com has over 20 experts, many classes, and prizes lined up for this incredible event scheduled for September 10th through 16th, 2023. General admission is free, and there are giveaways going on for those who register in advance. Get signed up at www.grandparentsweek.com. We hope this episode has helped you think about what you have and what to do with what you have. There are lots of resources out there, so if you cannot do it for yourself, Make sure you ask for help from others. Thank you for listening for the last four years of The Grand Life. We hope this has provided help for you in your journey as grandparents. We also have learned so much along the way. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living The Grand Life.